Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians in the third chapter, beginning in the 12th verse. Listen to the word of God. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. And amen. This morning, we have, uh, in the middle, towards the tail end of a series on resilient discipleship in the 21st century. What does discipleship need, especially today? In, in the world of digital Babylon, how do we survive this? How does our faith survive as Christians, and especially as we disciple younger Christians? What are the qualities of discipleship that are most important? And the one that I want to look at this morning that uh, David Kinnaman in his book suggests is vocational discipleship. And he writes about it this way. He says, vocational discipleship means knowing and living God's calling. Understanding what we are made to do. Especially in the arena of work. And right-sizing our ambitions to God's purposes. So, when you think of discipleship and, and being a disciple, what, is, what does that conjure to you? For most of my life, doing discipleship in a church has meant a program of teaching. It has meant, discipleship meant that people have a, a, a grasp of scripture and theology, and if we're being a little bit ambitious, maybe even a little bit of church history as well. And the goal, the goal of discipleship was to motivate people to take responsibility for the church programs, to do more in the church, and that they could live their faith in the work and in the programs of the local church. A few years ago, I went on a, to a conference on discipleship, and, and the presenter had a slide that described two different systems of being a church. The first slide described the system that 
most churches have had for generations, and it described church this way. He said, church was to recruit the people of God to use some of their leisure time to join the missionary initiatives of the church-paid workers. And that's the way churches, frankly, have operated in many regards for generations. But the problem is that it separates out the sacred from the secular. And we end up having a church and a God as a small subset of our lives to which we give a little bit of our time and our treasure. But in the 21st century, people, people are too busy. And, and, and this is not what they're going to do with their shrinking discretionary time. And especially now, many after COVID are just simply not coming back to church. So the second slide uh, described the system that we need for the church to become, to move further into in, in the 21st century with resilient disciples. And the second slide said, the church is to equip the people of God for fruitful mission in all of their lives. See, God has called you and equipped you. And it's not just for that little extra time that you can give the church of your time and treasure. He's called you to your jobs. He's called you to your schools and to your homes and to your communities. He's gifted you to serve in all your relationships. He's equipped you to fulfill his purposes everywhere you go. It used to be the height of successful discipleship that the height of it was to, to get people to go off to seminary and be trained for ministry and church ministry in particular and, and that they could become full-time ministers. And now, now though, the height of successful ministry would be that we would all feel equipped and encouraged and supported to do what this passage says. Very simply, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you do everything with his sense of purpose, by his strength, and with the character that reflects God's holiness and, and kindness and goodness. Okay, now let's step back, and here's a, here's a whole different way to, to approach this dichotomy of the way people see church and the Christian life. In evangelicalism, we, we stress the fact that God has saved us from sin and death, and that is absolutely true. But we've got to go on. In our Reformed tradition, of which Presbyterianism is a part, in our Reformed tradition, we stress that it, God doesn't just save us from sin, but to life, to a call, to his purposes, to his work in this world, and to being heirs of the kingdom of God. 
one of the things Kinnaman says in this section is that the sacred secular divide does not factor much into the thinking of resilient disciples. He writes, Many Christians seem to be under the impression that some jobs are more important to God than others. Ministers and missionaries, for example, are, are doing more important work than accountants and researchers. Most theologians disagree this is the case. Biblically speaking, instead, all work is dignified in God's eyes if it's done with the right motives and with good, true, and beautiful outcomes in mind. No matter what work you are called to, whether you're in the creative careers that, that reflect God's beauty, careers that cultivate abundance, you're, you're entrepreneurial, I can't say that word, you know what it is, they reflect God's provision. Or STEM careers that, that generate and work on order, again, reflecting God's ordering of creation. Or, or service careers that reflect God's love. Think of Brother Lawrence who wrote one of the most um, well-known books of all time, best-selling books of all time. He was a monk who lived in a monastery and he was the dishwasher. Practicing the Presence of God was his book. Christian vocation is about stepping into the place God is calling us to walk our journey and bring His presence. That's, that's in everything that we do. Everything that we do. In everything, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. This is not the path of least resistance in a fallen world. It will not be easy. And we must be real in helping each other face the hard times. A good portion of the equipping a church does is to help people persevere through the hard times. So, all this, and, and once you have the right conception of, of what ministry is in a church, the real challenge is, how does the church help equip us to live this vocational discipleship, this full discipleship? A key is right here in this passage. It's right here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. First of all, the word dwell. The word dwells in us. Now, knowing the word helps. So, so stay in the word. Always stay in the word. But you who trust Christ and his good news you know the heart of it. You know the gospel. You know the heart of the word. And more than knowing, knowing it all up in here in your head, let it live in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's a powerful picture. Model it. Live in it. And we learn most from each other living in it. You, you have to be able to See someone to even conceive 
to begin to conceive of what discipleship in the 21st century looks like. Somebody who has the word dwelling richly in them. You have to recognize Christ in a co-worker to even begin to get it. When someone's integrity shines forth in a special way, when they have words of kindness and grace and patience and forbearance or the godly challenge when the pressure's on. I'm hearing more and more these days uh, this, this kind of picture of the person of, of God dwelling richly in them, a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. A non-anxious present. You see, you see God in them at work, at school, and it inspires you. And hopefully here, hopefully here at church. And you, and you inspire others with it as well. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching. I know I said it's not all teaching earlier, but it is important. We have so much to learn, and we need to be diligent and always be learning. We never know it all. The ocean is too deep to know it all. Scripture, theology, maybe even a little bit of church history. Not just book learning, not just book learning though. Wisdom. Wisdom. And admonishing. This is, this is being in each other's lives. Supporting and challenging and caring and loving each other. Not just in church work, but everywhere we are. In people's lives. This is all about relationships. Personally, I don't like so much being admonished by strangers. This is for friends. This is for mentors, people bound together by the common love of God. Real impact can come from that, can come from there, from admonishing. And we do all this with wisdom. It's not just a passing on a data set of facts. It is the spirit-led application of facts sensitively applied to life circumstances. That's character. And that's, that's maturity. Knowing what God is doing and how he's leading in each situation, what is right and wrong, even in what to say or just to listen. That's wisdom. And, and one of the results of doing all this is going to be that our hearts are going to sing and give thanks together. Now, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about where we are at as a church. As a church. Last week, I recognized that we've been through a season of diminishing. Through a season of diminishing, and, and in some regards, we don't have a ton of church programs going on. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, that's not always necessarily a negative. Churches very often become about maintaining and only focused on building programs rather than building character. We, we live sometimes as churches for the program's sake. And the churches sometimes try to gather people just to, just to build up a program. This church has not put all that energy into holding onto everything of the past that way. 
But it may leave you with some questions about, okay, but where are we at? And I'll say something about the transitional process that we're in, and then I'm going to come back and relate it to this aspect that we've been talking about, about resilient discipleship. We uh, have just wrapped up the first stage of the three-stage process of transition between pastors. This past Thursday evening, I, I presented the session with the SWAT report. The, the re, it's a simple report coming out of the meetings that I've had with many of you. And it simply describes where we're at as a church. And especially because I'll be out of town this week, I'll be back next Sunday. In the next couple of weeks, the session is going to determine the best forms to present that report to the church and any particular groups in the church who might most benefit. But there's no, there's no real revelations or surprises coming from it. You, you who are here are remarkably united in who you see our church to be, in both its foibles and it is, its many strengths, and ultimately the faith that is here is remarkable. One of the culminations of this season was the reconciliation team coming in a month ago to listen to anyone who would like to speak to them. And it has been my joy to be a listening ear as I've been here as well. And that included last week's focus on lament, not just learning about lament, but but Reuben and Debbie Green leading us in a prayer of lament. And all of this has been a focus on and a responding to the immediate needs of where we are at. The next stage of the transition is to build a team that will engage the whole congregation in discerning God's vision for this church. This is not a report compiled by the transitional pastor, not by me. This is going to be the church looking together to God to see where he would have us go from where we are. And I'm working with the elders now to discern who might be a part of this group and to do this work together over the next few months. And part of that work will be each one of them enlisting people to hold them and all of us in prayer through this process of seeking God's vision. And then the final stage after discerning the vision is to come together to consider how we can pursue the vision of the church. It's, a, it's the strategy stage. How do, we, how do we do what God's calling us to do? And we'll put two teams together to pursue that. One will be the strategy team, and it will work closely with the session. And it's the team that will consider the programs and the events, whatever God is providing us to pursue the vision. And I'll come back to that in a minute. The second team will be what we we will call the PNC. It's the Pastoral Nominating Committee. And this is the team that will search for the next head pastor of New Hope. And they will be a key person coming into the church, a church that has a vision for its ministry. And they will come and work and lead the session and strategy team with their own gifts and experience, and everyone will be a part of what God is doing here together. That's the plan that we're in the middle of. We are 
moving from stage one to stage two. And honestly, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God is doing here and the amazing people that you are and place that this is. And I, and I absolutely see this church poised to be a place of resilient discipleship happening. And this, this is part of what it looks like, this, this vocational discipleship. The programs that are developed here are going to have a purpose. And it's not going to be just something that we like to do and that may draw people in to spend some of that extra time together. That's not We're, we're not going to be fishing for people's extra little time. The whole world is doing that. Rather, we come together here because we find in each other the people who show us how to glorify God everywhere because God is dwelling in them. They will teach us the word. They will admonish us to life everywhere for Christ and do it all with wisdom and love and songs and joy and gratitude in our hearts so we can live together here like them and everywhere else we go as well. We build the programs to facilitate those relationships of equipping people to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do as a church. Everywhere you are. In the past number of weeks, we've had two of our own members who are involved in mission come up up here on, on the stage and report on their mission, and, and we prayed for them. And we commissioned them as we sent them from this church. Michael Madney, who was on his way to East Africa, and now he's in Europe. And Julia Patterson, who works with Vine Maple Place and, and does their communications in churches around the area. But she's part of this church. And theirs are clear positions in established ministries. But we are their home family, sending them and supporting them spiritually out in the world. And that's exactly what we do for each and every one of you who is part of New Hope Presbyterian Church. This is where we come home. We come home for the meals, like the table that's set before us. This is where we learn and grow and squabble with our brothers and sisters. But we don't leave this spiritual identity when we walk out the door. You walk out carrying the presence of God and the glory of God in you, everywhere you go, in everything you say and do with everyone. You are disciples of Christ, not just in here, but everywhere. That's what you are made to do. Let's pray. Lord, help us. You are not a part of our lives. You are the center of everything. Help us to live that way. And God, we know as discipleship gets more difficult in, in an anxious world, may you speak your peace to us 
in the center of it all. And may we carry that peace of your presence in our hearts and lives everywhere we go, in our workplaces, our schools, our homes, our communities. Lord, we are your disciples. We are grateful for this church and how we've learned through each other what your presence look like, looks like. And we've pointed each other to you. But Lord, you are the one who does the work in our hearts and lives. You are the one who saves us. Thank you, Lord. Now, you just save us from sin and death. You saved us to life. Help us to live as yours and glorify you in everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.